Hi, I'm Mark Woods um, with another Page One podcast and have a new guest, a new employee, Emily Block here, our new education writer. We're very excited to have you in the newsroom and uh, um, you've been pretty busy already. <laughs> it's been a busy time for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy how, to be here. How many, how many weeks now have you been here? Uh, I started on the 8th, so it's been about three weeks. Okay. Um, first of all, yeah, I was going to, before we get around to what you've been doing... I was going to have you maybe tell a little about yourself. You moved here from South Florida, and um, your Twitter is mdrums, right? That's correct. And I overheard, I think, a bit of this, but I figured I was going to ask. Wait till the podcast to ask you. This comes from literally drumming. Yes. So I'm a drummer. Before I was ever a writer, or I guess it, a lot of it happened at the same time because I did a lot of music journalism as well. Um, I'm a drummer. I drummed in a bunch of rock bands and was a really like involved in my local DIY punk scene. And um, I'm a member of the Miami Heat Street Band. So I was part of the NBA Miami Heat Band in South Florida and played <laughs> all the basketball games. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. You, she has a Miami uh, Heat Cup here in front of us. I do. Um, and so you would do playing the games. You would play at the, in the arena. Or yeah, okay. a little bit of both. So we would play in the concourse area before the games and during halftime, and then um, during timeouts we'd run onto the court and do like a little routine. And does any is that does anybody else in the NBA have something like that? We're the only. We're one of two bands, and we're the only marching band. <laughs> But there are a few um, drum lines throughout the organization. Okay. Well, that's great. Okay. So, yeah, you, you're our, she's our education beat writer. And let's see. So far you've had, let's see, the tax, half-cent sales tax infrastructure news, um, a bill to arm teachers, the idea of Rains High School consolidating with Northwestern Middle being shot down, uh, private school vouchers, uh, feature on a niece, niece student who sued St. John's School District graduating, um, generation lockdown was a story on kids how they today deal with safety drills. Um, Governor DeSantis in town kicking off a scholarship tour. Uh, then assorted other things: food truck rally for a three-year-old. Clay County deputy kills domestic violence suspect. Uh, mailman cleaning veterans headstones. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. Anyway, you got a better tally than me. <laughs> you anyway. She has been quite busy <laughs> and got sick partway through this. I did. <laughs> Um, so I figured maybe we could dive into two in particular, the, the the one you just had this week that was on the front page this morning, and then maybe after that, the half-cent sales tax, which obviously is going to be in the news for the next few weeks. Sure. Um, but this morning's was about um, charter schools and how Duval County board school board members have expressed concern that local charter schools who perform well draw from the same pool of well-performing students who would attend public school. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about that story. Correct. So I came across the story while I was attending a school board meeting, um, and it was a workshop meeting about charter schools and how they apply and how they reapply every year and what um, some schools that reapply get deemed is as a high performer. And if they're a high-performing school, then they have some incentives. So reapplying becomes easier for them. So that led me to look into, well, what makes a high-performing school? And a high-performing school is a school that was named a an A school 
within the last three years consecutively or if they have two A's and no less than a B. So they can mm. be ABA, AAB, AAA, but if they have three B's, then they wouldn't qualify, obviously. Okay. So um, I looked at who's a high-performing school in Duval County, and there are four. And from there, a school board member, Warren Jones, who's the vice chairman, he raised the question of, well, is location factored into that qualifier? So if they're called a high-performing school, is where they're located factored in? And the answer was no. And he took offense to that because he's saying that, well, what if they're just drawing from an area that already has high-performing public schools? Mm -hmm. So off of that hunch, I looked into it and I looked into the map. So I took that four high-performing charter schools and looked at what their closest public school was. And it turned out that two of those four were neighbored by A schools. And then the other two, one was a B school, one was a C school. And they were all within five miles. So then I looked at, okay, well, who's the closest A school to each of those? And it turned out that if you widen that scope a little bit, every A, every high-performing charter school had an A school within six miles from mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Um you talked about, you wrote about what Laura, uh, the chairwoman, Lori Hershey, said. Um, she compared it to kind of Uber versus Lyft. And mm-hmm. what, what did she mean by that? Or Netflix versus cable. Yeah, yeah. I love that quote. Yeah. So Lori Hershey said that charter schools are happening, that we're not getting away from them, that they're here and they're staying. So now it's a matter of how do we deal with that? How do we navigate that course? So she compared it to, well, it's... Um, taking an Uber versus taking a Lyft or Netflix versus cable or Airbnb versus hotels. We have to rethink how we're dealing with them and putting them into the mix because they are public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you obviously understand we were focusing on kind of that high-performing comparison. Um, I'm always intrigued by what, what about low-performing because in mm-hmm. theory that's why charter schools have taken off in Florida and Jacksonville is right. that we need to lift up the, uh, the, the kids are falling behind. Um, quite a few, there's also quite a few low performing charter, charter schools in, in Florida and Jacksonville. And that's, that's been a, a big concern, a big criticism. Yeah. So I looked at, a, at that as well. And the four are the five low performing schools in Duval County. The lowest performing charter schools were Duval Charter at Westside, which had a C. Global Outreach Charter Academy, which had a C. School of Success Academy also had a C. Somerset Academy Middle with a C. And Waverly Academy, which had a D. And then from there, I looked at what was their closest neighboring public school. And it was pretty much counterparts as far as the grades went. So it was C to C, C to D, C to C, and then D to C. So um, it brought up a point that Superintendent Diana Green said was basically yeah, the charter schools are here, but depending on what neighborhood they're in, they're just kind of replicating what we're seeing in the public school grades. Right, and that seems to, again and again, what you read about charter schools, that yes, this maybe opens up some choice, but this hasn't, there's, the bottom line is there isn't a demonstrable difference in performance, is there, or are there examples? So when I crunch the numbers based on this information, Um, what I came out with was it's basically a 10% difference in Duval County. So out of Duval County's 27 charter schools, 37%, less than half, were named A schools for the 2017-2018 school year. And then for context, in public schools, out of the 31, um, 
20 or 31 public schools or 27 percent were also deemed a school so 37 percent versus 27 percent as far as grades to grades apples to apples right yeah um and obviously this is yeah this has been an ongoing story for a couple decades that just mm-hmm. it's and it's going to be as they've all said this isn't uh, a debate anywhere. that's going going away so yeah where do we go from here mm-hmm. and maybe that naturally segues into part of the uh, public charter versus di- district uh, public school the half cent sales tax right. in- infrastructure um, so June 25th city council will decide whether to allow countywide vote for half cent sales tax to help finance school construction and technology so right. Um, yeah, what do you see playing out in the next few weeks? So June 18th, there's going to be a public hearing about it, which should be wow, yeah, loud, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. But um, as far as what we've looked into context-wise, and David Bauerlein's been looking into this a lot, is it would be unprecedented for it to not pass. As far as Duval County is one of the only, or is the only county, that doesn't have something like this in place already. And when those have been up for... Um, vote they've pretty much unanimously gone through so hmm. it should be interesting to watch and so the june 18th is that a is that a school board meeting or is that a city council That's city council okay i see what, yeah since it's next step is in their hand which is a whole another controversy the Correct. the legal ruling on whether who gets to decide this um yeah i think it was in one of david's stories that 24 florida counties have a half cent sales tax for schools um St. John's County had the most recent referendum approved by 60% to your your point that usually does get approved. Um, I guess one of my questions is what if, you know, what if there isn't a vote? What, where do we go from here? There are, there are needs. I think I would hope everybody realizes this is a genuine need. So what happens then? I mean, the argument is that this would pay for a one point, nine five billion dollar plan for renovations repairs replacements and the schools are literally crumbling so there's definitely a need that's been demonstrated um as we've seen there are schools that are failing and schools that are trying to consolidate and there are plans in the works so this is part of that orchestration so yeah it's a lot of uncharted territory happening at once right so yeah june 25th obviously will not Either way, will not be the the end of this story. This is one that you're going to be you're going to be writing a lot about. I know. Look at me. <laughs> well, that's one of the many reasons we're happy to have you here. <laughs> um, let's see. Maybe maybe we could get into a couple of the other ones. The yeah, it was interesting. The, um, the it's a story that's come up again and again. Is kind of consolidating some of the um, northwestern schools. Um, and that that story. This was consolidating north. The idea of consolidating Northwest Middle and Rains, correct? Mm-hmm. And and what happened there? So Northwest Middle and Rains were one of the um, were two of the schools that were facing possible consolidation um, at that meeting that I attended. It was my first um, community meeting on the books. I was my first week working here. <laughs> um, I think my second day actually. Um, Superintendent Green announced that that was being taken off the table, that Northwestern Middle was in too dire of a situation to be focused on consolidating, that they um, were actually just a a chronic underperformer. And that came out 
within one of my next stories talking about the turnaround plans. But basically, Northwestern Middle has been such a chronic underachiever, has been failing so consistently that they don't have time to worry about the building and consolidating and doing all that. They have, they have too much attention that needs to be steered toward turning that school around and the performance around and saving those kids. Right, which leads to maybe another one you've touched on the state kind of chastising our underperforming schools and jumping into the mix. Um, I mean, the state has been involved one way or another, as long as I can remember, um, in ways that often frustrate local folks because um, they're dictating things. Um, And the most recent example is kind of of a little clash you wrote about with Richard Corcoran, correct? Yes, absolutely. So at the um, recent Board of of Education meeting, Superintendent Green was proposing, or not proposing, she was um, talking about the current turnaround plans for the 10 failing schools within Duval County and um, basically got chewed out by a Mm -hmm. lot of that board, um, basically asking why is this the plan, what are we doing to do it better, Um, Some of these schools have been failing for so long and just kind of raising a lot of eyebrows toward her. And I mean, I think she stood her ground very well and she's only been here for 10 months. So, I mean, I I feel for her in that respect, but I, you know, there's there's a lot happening there. Their interest is in um, pushing the Idea Academy and different charter agendas. And Superintendent Green is not ready to consider that yet her stance was well and it kind of goes back to that first story again the charter school story and their location she said well why would we be considering these like total takeovers or state takeover or a different playbook altogether when we see that the charter schools that are here are basically performing the same way as their public counterparts Mm -hmm. and then there's also the idea of vouchers going to private schools correct that has been up Again, another recurring storyline, but that's back in the news. Yes. And yeah, what was what? What did you write about that one? So, um, Ron DeSantis actually was in Jacksonville as part of his three-legged tour to promote the expansion of the voucher bill that he signed in, and basically, it will give eighteen thousand students the opportunity to um, attend private schools, and it's a scholarship essentially. Right. And that one, um, yeah, I always find interesting when we start having scholarships to religious schools and the reaction sometimes is, well, I'm comfortable with that. But then when people, maybe it's not their religion, they're all of a sudden not comfortable with it. So that raises some very interesting questions to me of what what ends up being done with um, taxpayer money. Yeah, absolutely. In private schools, is it's whole other entity totally different than charter and public right so and obviously so we all most of these things we've talked about have been k through 12 you're gonna have i think when we had lunch after you first were hired we're like we're like peppering you with you've got (laughs) there's there is so much to cover on this beat so much good stuff that um um so many good things happening so many controversial things happening some bad things you know it's just a it's just a I don't think you'll, you're going to get bored. I don't think so either. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's been good to uh, to have you doing this. Anything else you want to touch on that I haven't mentioned? No. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Then finally, uh, favorite uh, Miami Heat player? Oh, 
come on, Dwayne Wade, Wade <laughs> County. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to guess that. I, did you, I'm sure you saw the video they did with his uh, with the people bringing the jersey. Oh, I cried. I cried like a baby. <laughs> yeah, if people haven't watched, ex- explain that video. It's a it's it's. Dwayne Wade. It was actually it was a commercial. It was a Budweiser. Yep. Yeah, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, we should remember what Kudos, company it was. Yeah, um, Budweiser did an ad with Dwayne Wade where um, this entire season he was exchanging jerseys at the end of the game um, with, with other opponents, players yeah. with opponents. Um, so they had Budweiser had Dwayne Wade just sitting in the stadium empty, um, and or in the arena rather. And he had they had random people walk in. A few of them he recognized. A few of them he they he didn't. And they would give him articles of clothing instead of a jersey, and they were all sentimental in some way. So one was a graduation gown, and he said, because of your scholarship, I was able to be the first in my family to graduate college. And another was, you know, a blazer, and it said, because of your um, program, your after-school program, I was able to get my first job out of school, Mm -hmm. and things like that. So just showing the resonance he had on the city. Yeah, and then the one that got me was the... uh, um sibling of a parkland parkland yeah. victim that walking yeah. yeah yeah no it was it was quite the commercial yeah it was and uh budweiser here in jacksonville so there's a <laughs> there's a jacksonville tie that i guess um but yes okay well uh we when nba season i guess we'll i'll get all my heat updates from you oh you will don't worry <laughs> <laughs> and we sit right our our cubicles are right next to each mm-hmm. other so we Try and give people a glimpse in the newsroom. We're right next to each other. Yeah. I'm sandwiched between you and Matt Sorgel. So mm-hmm. a lot of talent there. Um, so anyway, thanks for doing this and welcome to the newsroom. Thanks for having me. Thanks.